Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. And in this week's episode, the first episode of each week, we're looking at understanding deconstruction. It's a series I've been doing on YouTube. It's also on Instagram TV. Um, and you can also find it on the deconstructionnetwork.com. Um, and these videos we're going to be turning into um, podcasts and we'll be putting them out for the first episode of each week. Um, and this week we're going to look at why do people deconstruct and we'll look at a lot of the myths surrounding why people deconstruct because when you look at this kind of topic what you find is that the reasons that are thrown around for people's deconstruction generally speaking are coming from people that aren't deconstructing and more often than not it's a it's a um it's an attempt of the ego to feel more secure, more safe, more certain in its own set of fundamental beliefs. And so you'll see different celebrity pastors and um, conventional Christians, loved ones, they'll say things like, oh, well, they never really believed anyway, or oh, they, if they just read their Bible more, then they wouldn't have deconstructed. And um, the truth is that entertaining deconstruction is a very scary and dangerous thing for someone that's a fundamental Christian. Uh, you know, you, there's no room for gray area. There's no room for questions that might lead to different answers. And so what really has to be done is one has to write off the person that has deconstructed. And so being able to say something like, oh, well, they never were really saved. What it makes me feel if I'm a conventional Christian is I feel safe suddenly because, well, I am saved. I know I'm saved. Or, well, they never read their Bible enough, and if they had, they would know the truth, and they wouldn't deconstruct. And, and it goes makes me feel safe, because, well, I have read the Bible, and I know the truth, and I wouldn't let go of this truth. Of course, none of these things are true. Um, they might be true on an occasional outlier, but we know from the facts, uh, the data, that, that um, people that deconstruct were, were very much uh, committed Christians, that they take all the markers of uh, what a, a fundamental Christian would want uh, a Christian to be, um, they, they were Christians. Uh, they did read their Bible. In fact, statistically, they, they read their Bibles more. And so we'll look at some of these things in this episode. And so I hope that this can be a helpful tool for you. I hope, hope it's a reassuring tool for you. Uh, if you've gone through deconstruction, you are probably going to feel very seen uh, in this episode and, and very encouraged as you hear certain things that you've probably heard from many people, pastors, leaders, uh, family members, loved ones, um, that have maybe discredited um, your experience. They've maybe dismissed your, your faith um, and, and all kinds of other things. Um, you're going to feel very seen as we look at those and, and highlight just how inaccurate some of those statements are um, because that doesn't really um, matter in the moment. When you are feeling uncertain and unsure and you're questioning and you're going through this painful, lonely, isolating, scary process and people tell you, well, you were probably never believed anyway or, you know, you're just going to go to hell. Even if you don't believe in hell anymore, it can still kind of mess with you, right? It can still jack with your head. And, um, and so hopefully this is a resource that kind of like just undoes a lot of that work it helps you feel seen it helps you feel safe it helps you know that you're you're not alone that so many other people um are going through this and the comments on this video we just got so many comments of people saying oh my gosh this is so validating it's so helpful because that's how that's what people said about me but i knew what you were saying was true i wasn't backsliding i wasn't not really a christian or any of these kind of things and so i do hope you enjoy this episode and um, before we get started i just want to remind you the deconstructionnetwork.com is a free resource to help you connect with other people that are deconstructing. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you're feeling lonely and isolated in your journey. And also, if you want to support what I'm doing, all these resources are absolutely free. And I talk with anyone and everyone on Instagram anytime they need someone to talk to. 
Um, and I do all of that for free. The reason I can do that is there are a few people that support me over on Patreon. Um, and just for as little as five bucks a month, you can help me do this for free and still be able to eat and put a roof over my head. Um, because I do this 60 plus hours a week easy. Um, and so I don't have time to get a job on the side to, to be able to pay the bills. Um, and so it really is the generosity of a few um, that helped me do that. There's never any need for this. You know, I am paying my bills well enough right now. Um, I'm not driving a Lamborghini or getting my private jet yet, you know, so if you want to donate to that. <laughs> um, and joking aside, that is why I do everything for free. We've all experienced all that shit in the church, right? We've all experienced people that are only, um, they've got the wisdom that you need to set free, but you have to buy their book to get it. You know, you have to pay a huge amount to go to the conference to get it, or they, they need you to donate for their third jet or whatever, you know, absolute insanity. Um, and so that's one of the big reasons I, I committed when I started this 10 years ago to never ask for money um, and, and in, in return for any service. I, I, I do this completely free because people have been so burned. Um, but if you do want to help me pay the bills, if you do want to help me um, maybe start being able to put money into a pension and things like that, it would be great because uh, believe it or not, doing stuff for free is not a great way to make an income. Um, so you can do that over at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. As a thank you, we do have a little private community of people that are, are giving and um, we discuss things throughout the week. I do a, usually a, some sort of audio call with everyone for a couple hours a week and, um, and we do a Zoom call fairly regularly. And then on top of that, everyone without me arranges for lots of different audio calls and video calls throughout the week. And um, and it's just a great community of amazing people. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is just to hang out on there and chat with people about all sorts of different things. And so it'd be great to have you in there. Anyway, enough rambling um, from me. Let's dive into the conversation about why do people deconstruct? Okay, let's talk about why people deconstruct. Now, the first thing I want to talk about um, in this context, let's go through some myths about why people deconstruct because this is really um, damaging. How many people throw around these different ideas of why people deconstruct that are totally false? And in that, we're going to look at some data and then we're going to look at like, what are some of the actual reasons that people do deconstruct? So we'll probably touch on a lot as we go through some myths, but I want to touch on 10 major myths, um, that people throw around frequently, um, about why people deconstruct. I've not memorized these off the top of my head, so I'm going to read them off the screen. So if you see me looking off screen, I'm going to go through a list. You have to forgive me. Um, but the first one is that people choose to deconstruct because they don't want to go to church anymore. Now, this is quite a funny one. Um, it's, it's interesting because actually when we look at the data on people that deconstruct, about one third, about 34%, give or take, um, still attends church at least once a week. Now, we do see that as people mature in their deconstruction, that number starts to drop, but we still see that 10, 15% of people um, attend church regularly, at least once a week, um, as a deconstructed Christian, a deconstructing Christian. And so it's not black and white that people just don't want to go to church and that's why they deconstructed. Um, you know, to be honest, there's a lot easier ways to just not go to church. Um, you don't have to go through an existential, terrifying process of being unsure of what you believe in, what, where you're going to go when you die, you know, and totally erode all your friends, your family, all those relationships. Um, and so it's not as simple as people just not wanting to go to church. In fact, some data points to when um, 
Packard and Hope did an interesting study in 2018, uh, 2014, um, looking at over a thousand people across America who had left church and, um, they thought, well, they probably just wanted to leave church. It's one of the things they thought. What they found is actually people on average looking back at their, um, their time in the church said, um, that they can see a point in the past where they probably should have left church. And what's interesting is on average, that point was seven years before they actually left. So many people stayed in church because they wanted to make church work for them. They loved the church. Uh, people that deconstruct very rarely hate the church. They go through stages of realizing how harmful the church had been to them and how much it wasn't helpful for them and, and all sorts of different stuff. Absolutely. But most of them love church. Most of them attended church. What's interesting is when you look at attendance of people that leave, uh, of people that have deconstructed, their attendance while they were a conventional Christian is higher than the average person as a conventional Christian. So if you attend church more frequently, you're more likely to deconstruct. And so it wasn't that these people just wanted to leave church. Um, they were very passionate about church. The second myth is that people deconstruct because they were never serious about their faith in the first place. People say this all the time. You're going to hear this a lot. If you're deconstructing, you will hear this a lot. Well, you were never really a Christian. You were never really serious. That same study that looked at people and their church attendance, we can see the same thing across a lot of different metrics. So what's interesting is the more involved in church you were, the more involved in Christianity you were, the more passionate about your faith you were, the more likely you are to deconstruct. We can see that if you grab 100 people that have deconstructed and 100 people in the church, of the people that um, deconstruct, they are more likely to pray regularly, to read their Bible regularly, to have quiet times, to go to small groups, to do prayer meetings, to help out in youth groups and other meetings. They're more likely to be in senior leadership or other leadership positions in the church. They're more likely to volunteer in the church than the hundred random people chosen from a, a church. And so it's not that these people were not serious about their faith. In fact, it's generally because these people were so serious about their faith. They looked into it to such a degree, they got into it to such a degree that the problems within that framework became more apparent. That's what caused them to question. In fact, you could say that it was their passionate pursuit of God that caused them to leave uh, uh, the conventional Christian model. And again, I don't want to say leave church because a lot of people don't leave church that deconstruct. It's not um, black and white. There's about a third of people still in church that are deconstructing. The third one is that people deconstructing wanted an easier life. Now, this is going to make most people that have been deconstructing for a little while, you will laugh your head off at hearing this, but it will feel like a gut punch when people say it to you. There is nothing easier about deconstructing. Deconstructing is one of the hardest processes you can go through in your life. You are signing up for absolute existential crisis. Your entire identity is wrapped up in what you believe. We are, all our identities are wrapped up in what we believe. Our ego is built around the things that we believe about life, about the cosmos, about God, about our friends, about our family, about ourselves. All of that is interwoven. If you're a conventional Christian, it's interwoven with your belief in God, what you think about spirituality, how you read the Bible, all these things. When you start pulling those things apart, everything falls apart. It's scary. You feel guilt. You feel shame. You feel regret. You feel fear. You feel anxious. You feel uncertainty and paralyzed by it all. It is painful. And then add the icing on the cake. 
All your friends and family start grilling you, questioning you, rejecting you. You're no longer welcome in church. Your family say you can't be around here if you believe that. We don't want you influencing the grandkids or whatever it might be. You know, there is a lot of rejection to face. There is nothing, nothing makes this easier. It's such a bizarre notion. I guess it's, it's, it's where we're at in our life, right? We're in a certain framework that we see the Christian life as the hard life. And uh, everyone else is easy. Um, but actually that transition from out of conventional Christianity into something else is extraordinarily hard. You, you cannot say that people deconstruct because they want things to be easier. The fourth one that we want to talk about is people choose to de- deconstruct because it's cool and trendy. Now, this is really funny again, because when we look at what we just mentioned there, like can you imagine signing yourself up for all that pain, all that suffering, all that hardship, just because it would look cool and trendy? In fact, who are you trying to look cool and trendy to? Because most people that deconstruct don't have a social circle outside of conventional Christianity. They may have a few, uh, you know, workplace mates or a few mates from school or something. But on the whole, on the whole, all of their friends, all their family tend to be within conventional Christianity. Conventional Christianity is a very bubbled society. The community can be very bubbled. We, we, yes, we reach people outside of that to evangelize and to witness, but on the whole, our closest people are inside the group. And I guarantee none of them are going to think you're cool or trendy if you deconstruct. They're going to not like that you deconstruct. They're going to uh, push back on you. They're going to reject you. They're going to question you. They're going to start um, treating you very differently. There's nothing about being cool and trendy that people tend to deconstruct because of. There's no desire to be seen as cool and trendy because most of the people they know in their lives are going to think that they are heretics, that they are apostate, that they have rejected God, that they are the worst type of person. Um, it's one thing to be outside the church and not inside, but it's a whole other thing to be inside and then choose to leave. Um, Christianity does not tend to treat such people very well, conventional Christians. And so it's not... Uh, a move to make you more popular um, for the vast majority of people. The fifth one we're going to look at is people deconstruct because they don't know enough and just need the truth explained to them better. This is very funny as well. As I said before, the people that deconstruct tend to have read their Bibles more, be more passionate about their faith, pray more often, be more actively involved in church. They're more likely to be in leadership and even senior leadership. Um, All of that makes you more likely to deconstruct, not less likely. So it's very rare that people that deconstruct, and it happens, of course, there's a whole spectrum of people that deconstruct, but it's very rare that people deconstruct because they don't understand something. It's generally because they have understood the conventional Christian position on something. They have understood how the Bible is explained. They have understood what that theological answer is. And it just doesn't add up. They're just not satisfied with it. And they go, this doesn't work. I, I don't get it we need to and they start exploring more answers what you'll find and you see this a lot it's really funny is conventional christians go well you just need to read the bible more and you just need to know this is the person they're saying that to the person that's deconstructed knows the bible just as well if not better than them in fact they've generally read more about this topic you see this commonly maybe in someone that's lgbtq plus right and so maybe they are working through their own identity and going, gosh, I'm, I'm queer or I'm trans and I, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I fit in in Christianity? Cause it seems like no one's particularly pro me, you know, no one's signing up saying, Hey, gay people come along to church, you know, um, as people are going through that process and going, gosh, I need to figure out how this works. 
I guarantee they will have read a lot more, a lot more theological books on every side of the debate about the LGBTQ issue. And yet their friends will go, well, the Bible makes it clear. They probably can't even quote all the Bible verses they think mention homosexuality or something like that. You know, it's fascinating to me the lack of understanding and how much conventional Christians tend to be projecting their own uh, inexperience when they attack people that are leaving. Because people that are leaving, generally speaking, again, the cost is so high. It's such a high cost to leave the church. You lose your friends, your family, your community. You go through terrible existential questioning and doubt and fear and shame and guilt. As you choose to do that, you only do that because this is really not working and you need to find something different. You need to find the truth. People who are deconstructing know things very well and generally speaking are deeply seeking out the answers and are probably much better um, educated theologically than the average person within church. People in church aren't better trained than people outside the church in theology. Um, that's not the case. That's not how it works. All right, sixth truth, um, uh, myth. Uh, people who deconstruct must have never truly known God and their faith wasn't real. Now, this is the the ultimate kind of disqualifying gaslighting experience, right? Because you go to um, someone and you say, yeah, I'm deconstructing. I'm not sure I believe in that form of God anymore. I maybe still believe in Jesus and God, but like not as you believe them and, or whatever. Or maybe you go, hey, I'm, no, I'm an atheist now or I'm agnostic and I just don't believe that. And what they'll say is they go, oh, well, you must never have truly been a, a Christian. You weren't ever really saved. What a fascinating thing to say to someone that has been at the same church as you for 20 years, that has taught you in Sunday school or in church uh, on certain occasions, they've preached or something. What a fascinating thing to say to someone that you know has had a devout prayer life and read the Bible regularly. What a fascinating thing to say to someone that you saw profess their faith and get baptized. At what point do we start going, well, who the heck has saved them? Because all these things that I think mean someone is saved apparently mean nothing, nothing at all, because I can disqualify someone that's done all of them if they just change their mind. If they change their mind, they must none of it was ever real. That's such a um, a, a kind of crazy position to take. Sure, I guess on some level it might be true. That might be how God works. Maybe they're, they're, he tricks some people into thinking they're saved, but they're never really saved. You know, maybe some Calvinists might hold that position, but. There's a huge amount of evidence that those who deconstruct and those who de-church are uh, just as passionate, just as active in their faith um, than the average uh, churchgoer. You know, they, they were just as involved, they were just as passionate, they were just as um, uh, uh, intentional about their faith and just as committed and serious about their faith. If you ask most people to deconstruct, well, were you, do you think you were really saved? I guarantee the vast majority, vast majority of them say, yeah, I thought I was saved. Yeah, I really believe this. I believe this with everything in me. You know, people don't do the things they do unless they believe it. Like they really believed it. Um, and so this is fascinating. And it may even be some projection. Again, maybe some people are questioning their faith, but they're so scared to actually really go about that, that they project onto other people. You never really believed. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Um, let's move on to myth seven. People deconstruct because they've forgotten what God has done in their life and just need to be reminded. Now, this is fascinating. I, I get this a lot. Um, people will say, well, Phil, uh, don't you remember that you were in a meeting and someone got healed? Or Phil, don't you remember that um, when you... Uh, needed that job and we all got together and prayed and you got the job. You know, it's fascinating to me that people 
um, cannot fathom that you could change how you see those experiences, that you could change where you're at. Um, you know, if you um, believed in Santa as a child um, and then grow up and go, oh, I'm not sure I believe in Santa anymore. Um, it would be pretty ridiculous to run up to that person as a 28 year old and go, but don't you remember the presents under the tree appeared magically and, and the cookies on the fireplace disappeared? Like, of course there's a Santa. You're just forgetting the, the great works of Santa. Um, of course, as a kid, we truly believed that was Santa. But as we grew up, we started to realize, oh, there's other explanations for this. Maybe mom and dad put presents under the tree. Maybe mom and dad take the cookies away, eat them or throw them in the trash and, and to add a bit of excitement and mystery. Maybe they take a bite. Maybe they sprinkle some uh, fake snow on the floor and around footprints, you know, all these fun things. But we start to realize that there's different ways to see it. And so generally speaking, people at Deconstruct, they, they've not just forgotten that season of their life. They've not forgotten what it was like to be a Christian. They've not forgotten to what it was like to feel that God was answering their prayers and to see amazing things. But generally speaking, what's happened is they've come to a place where they can now look on those experiences and they found different answers that work within the framework of where they're at in their life now. Doesn't mean that they're right. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. It just means that they have grown and developed beyond seeing it the way they used to. Um, and so just reminding them is not uh, going to change their position. They didn't deconstruct because they forgot that God did amazing things in their life. That's, that's not um, how this works either. Myth eight, people deconstruct because they were hurt by the church and should just get over it and stop playing the victim, right? How many people hear this? Well, first of all, let me say this, right? If you were hurt by the church, if you went through some sort of abuse in the church, if you were um, treated poorly in the church, that's a good reason to leave, okay? So first of all, people say this as though it's a bad reason. It's not a bad reason. If you knew someone was being beaten by their partner and then they left their partner, they got divorced them or they went to a shelter or something, you wouldn't say, oh, well, you know, Sheila just left her husband because she was being beaten. No! Sheila left her husband because she was being beaten. That's a good reason to leave your husband, okay? And so abuse and hurt within the church being caused to people is a good reason for them to start questioning things and to, to look at moving beyond where they are. Those are really good reasons. Now, what's interesting is that's not why people leave. It's why a handful of people leave, yes. But I go back to the Packard and um, Hope uh, study that I mentioned earlier. They did a study over a thousand people that had left the church and their number one hypothesis, number one, they had three hypotheses. Number one was they got hurt in church and they left. That's, that's what they thought they would find. Now, what's interesting is they were conventional Christians. So it's not surprising that they thought this, right? The, the, all of their hypotheses were some of these myths um, and all of them were proven wrong, what's interesting. So they looked at this thing of going, well, let's look and see where people hurt in church. And what they found is, yeah, lots of people were hurt in church. In fact, everyone has been hurt in church in control groups of just regular Christians. They've been hurt in church. People would say this all the time. Oh, everyone gets hurt. It's full of church. It's full of broken people. Where do you expect to find perfect people? You know, all these different, um, you know, little tokenisms that we throw around. So everyone was hurt in church. Yes. But when they asked, did you leave because you were hurt? The answer was no. And when they asked, when were you first hurt? It actually started to correlate with that date when they look back. Um, and they said, well, actually, it was about seven years ago, I realized I probably should have started to leave church. Um, now, of course, at seven years in average, the window is much broader. Some people left a year later or a few weeks later, and some people left month, uh, you know, decade later. Um, but on average, people stayed for over seven years when they were hurt. 
And actually people went through repeatedly being hurt, but they stuck around and they believed in the system of church. They wanted to change church. They wanted to be a part of church. They wanted to be a part of this community. So out of those thousand people, well, over a thousand people that they studied in that study, none of them can say that honestly that they left because they were hurt. You might say that, well, maybe on some subconscious level they left because they were hurt. And, and maybe that is the case. Um, but plenty of people get hurt in church and don't leave. So it doesn't seem to be as black and white as that. There's other things going on. And so people don't leave, um, don't deconstruct their faith because they were hurt. That's not why people deconstruct. All right. Ninth myth. We're getting there. All right. You holding in all right? People who deconstructed, oh, must never have really believed. Perfect. We've done it. Let's move on. Must have got an overlap there. Uh, people, all right, here we go. This is a good one. People who deconstruct are just liberals who should just go to progressive churches, right? And so people see a tendency. As people deconstruct, they tend to become a little bit more liberal or progressive. Now, this is um, not too surprising, really, if we think about it. So conventional Christianity based a lot of its concepts and its ways of life on a very ancient way of life, right? So much of the rules and the ways of doing things were came about 2,000 years ago. In fact, a lot of them came about three and a half, 4,000 years ago. And so, of course, they're quite conservative, traditional values, a lot of them. But what's interesting is it's quite natural when you stop placing all your beliefs in those uh, traditional waypoints. You don't believe that um, the, the book of Leviticus and Exodus and Deuteronomy should dictate how you build a sexual ethic today. Um, it's quite natural that people would then start to move towards a more liberal position on sexual ethics. It might be quite conservative compared to the rest of the world even, but it would be very liberal compared to a conventional Christian who hold a very conservative position on the whole because their beliefs are based around beliefs that are thousands of years old. Um, and so that doesn't mean that they became liberal and left the church. It can happen for sure, but that's not a, an absolute by any means. And actually, a lot of people who deconstruct still hold very conservative positions. A lot of them um, still are very right-leaning in their politics or certainly central-leaning. They're far from left-leaning a lot of people that deconstruct. Um, it's just more of a perspective thing that if you actually think about people that start to let go of Christian beliefs, it's going to be quite natural that as they grow in their own beliefs and that that might coincide with something that looks a little bit more progressive than some beliefs that are several thousand years old. Um, and so it's not fair to say that people deconstruct just because they're liberal. And it's certainly not fair to say that just because they became a bit liberal, if they just went to progressive church, they'd be happy. Most people are not deconstructing because they became liberal. And a progressive church won't tick their boxes as a more liberal position on Christianity. It might do if your main reason for deconstructing was um, you want to see more social justice. You want to see LGBTQ uh, plus inclusiveness. Uh, it might be if you had some questions around those sort of things, maybe the progressive church might tick your boxes. But people leave and, and, and deconstruct for a myriad of reasons, and a lot of them aren't going to be ticked by the progressive church. It might work for some, it might work for, uh, it might not work for others. And we have to be sensitive to that and aware of that. It's not as black and white that people that deconstruct should have just found a progressive church and they would have been fine. They would have definitely stayed a Christian. So let's look at a couple of reasons people do deconstruct. And I'm just going to give a real broad overview. It's not going to be comprehensive. It's not going to include every reason by any means because there are millions of reasons. There really are. There's so many. But 
Some of the big ones, theological questioning is a big one. So as I said, people that deconstruct tend to be much more intentional about their understanding of God and themselves and the world and the universe. And they want to read the Bible and they want to understand it. And so most people that deconstruct start to have theological questions. They start to go, ah, I'm not sure. We keep predicting raptures and it's been the end times for 2000 years and Jesus hasn't shown up. Or uh, it might be that they go, I'm not sure how adds up. I don't see how God can be loving, but punish people for eternity. That doesn't even seem just. Even even the concept of justice, it's, it just seems vindictive at a certain point. After 10 gazillion years, even Hitler's probably had enough. You know, even the worst person you can think of has probably been punished enough where you don't go, ah, it seems a bit vindictive at this point. It's not a, a like for like justice or anything like that. Um, and so people will start to question that. And maybe they look at restorative justice and go, maybe that's a better model for God and hell and, and, and the afterlife. And um, maybe they look at Jesus and go, this guy is supposed to represent God perfectly, but God looks very different a lot of the time. Maybe they're looking at the Old Testament and they're reading their Bible and they go, gosh, this is problematic, some of it. You know, the bits where God says, go kill every man, woman, and child. So he's performing these mass genocides and infanticides, killing every child. And then when he icing on the cake, he says, well, don't kill the young virgin and girls keep them and divvy them up amongst your soldiers uh what really no that's amazing to me as, as as how many years as christians a lot of people can just ignore that can read right through it and not see it for what it is god is saying keep all the young girls so they can be raped by the soldiers that is the sort of thing that people start to question and start to think maybe uh, some of this needs deconstructed maybe some of this needs questions and and looked at differently and it may not hold up and i may end up having to have different beliefs so theological stuff and there's loads there's endless um topics of theological exploration that can cause people to deconstruct those are just a few examples that are very kind of uh, prominent and obvious and um quite common uh, the other thing that's major in deconstruction and this is a huge part is life life happens and the thing is, when you believe a certain way that it's absolutely true, that it's black and white, um, it's easier to prove that as right or wrong a lot of the time. And it's easy to prove it as right when everything works. But it's really hard to prove it as right when it doesn't work and when it doesn't add up and when there are inconsistencies. And so we start to see in our life as things happen it doesn't really add up, right? What about if I, I was promised, if I brought my kids understanding God and reading the Bible, they would stay a Christian. Well, my son left and he's now an atheist. What do I do? What about, um, you know, I'm supposed to um, love unconditionally and, and be Christ to the world and, you know, love my neighbor, but actually my son is gay and now I am supposed to not accept him in the same way. I still have to love him, but not accept him for who he is. And that's causing me problems. It's making me question things. You know, so some of these situations that can occur to you, to family members, maybe a loved one gets sick, maybe a loved one dies and it causes you to stop and think and go, gosh, that person never knew Jesus, but they were one of the best people I've ever known. I can't fathom the 10 gazillion years of punishment for that person is really making me question. And so these are very interlinked, these theological questionings and the, 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 the pressures of life that cause them. But ultimately any kind of suffering can be a catalyst. And in fact, any kind of love can be a catalyst as well. Um, and so Richard Rohr is famous for saying great love and great suffering um, cause, uh, cause our growth and cause um, us to, to move forward. Um, and it's really true that we, we come across these profound experiences in life and they cause us to question things. Um, and so it's 
really complex what causes people to um, deconstruct. It might be that they were hurt or abused. It might be that they got sick or a loved one got sick or died. And could be that they are questioning some stuff about their identity that the church doesn't accept. Maybe they're a lesbian. Maybe they um, are trans. You know, there's all sorts of things that that, yeah, that's going to cause you to start questioning stuff because church isn't a welcoming place for you. It was a welcoming place for you until you became a lesbian, right? I know you don't become a lesbian, but, you know, until you start to go, oh, crap. I'm not welcome here if this is who I am, right? Suddenly, this black and white everything works model doesn't work. Or suddenly this this world where, well, if people are sick, we pray and it's fine. Well, when it's your mother and you're praying and she dies, suddenly you go, uh, that didn't work. And I've never really noticed how many times prayer doesn't seem to work. But now it's hit close to home. I guess it doesn't work a lot of the time. And do we really believe that? What's prayer? You know, and you start to question these things. That's really common. Um, and so we're going to see a lot of different sparks that cause deconstruction. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of nuanced uh, things that cause people to deconstruct. And so people deconstruct for a myriad of reasons. But what's fascinating is the most common ones you hear, those myths that I threw out, are actually not the reasons people deconstruct. Now, maybe one or two people tick some of those boxes. Maybe you find an outlier. Maybe you've got an anecdotal example where someone did deconstruct to be cool. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure how that one plays out, but it's not common. Trust me. I, I speak to thousands of people um, about this process and help them on their journeys. And I've personally never met someone that's like, oh, deconstruction is really cool. How do I start? Right? <laughs> it's just not something I've come across. Um, and so on the whole, these myths generally don't um, mean anything as far as why people deconstruct and what you're going to find as to why people deconstruct is it's more theological it's more philosophical it's more their life not adding up and not aligning with what they were told was true and what was right and what was wrong and so you're going to see a whole host of reasons for why people deconstruct but generally speaking they're very meaningful reasons. They're not these wishy-washy, they didn't care or they backslid. Generally speaking, people deconstruct because they're plowing forward passionately trying to find answers. Um, it's not because they didn't care, it's because they cared so much. It's not because they didn't know God, it's because they were pursuing God so passionately. Uh, it's not because they didn't go to church enough, it was because they went to church so much that it revealed some holes and some doubts and some questions in the mix. Um, and so, yeah, and, and I want to say if you're deconstructing and those myths put you down, if they discourage you, don't listen to them. Put them to the side. Ignore them. They are not healthy to ruminate on, to question, to doubt yourself. Um you know, you are perfectly entitled to deconstruct for whatever reason you want. Especially, I want to highlight, especially that one where people say, well, you only deconstructed because you were hurt. If you were hurt by the church and that caused you to stop and go, man, what is going on in church? What is Christianity? Why do people believe that? Why could people believe that and then still act the way they did? Those are great reasons. That's a great reason to start questioning and exploring. If people hurt you, you should be questioning this. You should be trying to make... Um, a healthy space between you and that person that hurt you. That is a really healthy thing to do. Um, and so don't let other people shame you for that. That's disgusting. It really is very, very, very manipulative and, and, and abhorrent. You know, it just doesn't take much. Put it in that context of in a domestic abuse case. If someone was beating their wife or their husband and then that person left because of it, you would never, ever think to shame that person and say, oh, well, you only left because you were being beaten up. That 
gosh, just saying it is just so disgusting. And that's what people are trying to do when they tell you that you only left because you were hurt. And so don't take that on. Don't put that on yourself. You've got enough to carry. If you're deconstructing, you are carrying enough weight and going through enough pain and suffering. Don't add other people's shame to the mix. All right. That's enough about why people deconstruct. We'll finish up there. I love you all. I hope you're doing well. I'll see you in another video. Peace. Okay, so that was Why Do People Deconstruct? I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we'll be looking at what is reconstruction and why reconstruction is such a problematic topic. To me, um, I think that most people that are talking about reconstruction are usually completely um, ignorantly, without any intent to do so, um, participating in spiritual abuse and manipulation. And, and so that's a, a very heavy, uh, weighty accusation, I know. Um, but I, I'm quite passionate about this topic. I think it's a really important topic. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they have swung from one fundamentalism to another, that they are requiring others to become fundamental in the way that they are fundamental. And certainly evangelicals and conventional Christians that are asking people to reconstruct, saying things like, well, you can't deconstruct without reconstruction, you know, and things like that. They don't understand deconstruction. They don't know what deconstruction means or what it's about. And so we'll dive into that. I'm excited for that. Um, I, I hope that it, it, again, helps people, it frames people, it gives people some um, just healthy indicators of, of what it can look like to be um, drawn into some really unhealthy manipulative practices within the deconstruction community as well as outside of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hope you enjoy it. That'll be next Monday. On Tuesday, we've got Dr. Tina Sherma Sellers, um, who is a sex therapist and family therapist. And we're going to have an amazing conversation. Did I just say Tuesday? Thursday. On Thursday, we'll have that episode coming out. Um, and so keep an eye out for that as well. Um, as I said at the beginning, thedeconstructionnetwork.com, completely free resource to connect with other people locally that are going through deconstruction. It's an amazing opportunity to um, start rebuilding community, to find friends that kind of get what you've gone through. Um, and I know a lot of us are building community outside of any of that context, um, but there is something about having a, a friend here or there that kind of gets the journey we've been on um, and being able to get together locally with them at a coffee shop, a pub, have a meal together, whatever it looks like. Um, for you, but that is a it's, it's a very significant thing to be able to you know just know that someone gets the, the the struggle that you've been through and the pain of losing your faith of 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 navigating the hard um, faith transitions and 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 growth um, and so yeah I, I'd encourage you to check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. We're also doing a bunch of research on there. If you sign up, you can participate in some of our research. It's completely optional, but it makes a big difference. Um, you know, we're changing the narrative of what deconstruction is by providing hard, cold data. And, and that's a huge thing. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Uh, and again, if you want to support what I'm doing, support, you know, running the deconstruction network, talking with people day in, day out about their journeys and helping them on their journeys, um, putting out these free resources, etc. And you would like to enjoy the, the benefit of supporting me by becoming a part of our community, maybe having more frequent conversations with me um, and with other people that are deconstructing. Um, I would encourage you to check out patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, it would mean a great deal to me. There's never any need to give though. Um, as I said, it's always going to be free. I'm always here. Shoot me a message on Instagram anytime. Uh, I'm just phildrysdale on there. Um, pretty easy to find. And yeah, I would love to chat with you. I'd love to support you. I'd love to encourage you in any way I can. Um, and so please do let me know if you need to talk um, and I'll be there. 
That's all for me for now, though. I'll see you on Thursday for the episode with Dr. Tina Shermer Sellers. Love you all. Peace.